0: DBHDD is reminding Georgians to ask their doctor about alternatives to opioid pain medication. Alternatives such as over-the-counter medications and physical therapy
1: can be used to manage pain. More information at opioidresponse.info.
2: Glad to have all of you with us for Political Rewind today. I'm Bill Nygut. We Just had a big Political weekend. The Nevada caucuses took place, of course, on Saturday and coming up this next Saturday, uh, a very important state in the Democratic presidential primaries. South Carolina votes. We're going to talk about that and much more on our show today. By the way, if you're a Facebook Live fan, which I know many of you out there are we're, uh, you can hear the audio, I believe, but um, we're having some issues with getting our video up and running. What's new, I know that you put up with uh, issues every now and then if you're Facebook Live fans. I'm sorry about that, but I hope you're able to uh, hear the show and stay with us throughout today. Uh, Jim Galloway is with us, as he is on Mondays and Fridays. He's the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, oversees the Political Insider blog which uh, was just pushed out is it out on on the uh, website right now Jim oh
3: yeah it's okay. already
2: up all right so you can go to ajC.com and find it there how are you, how are
3: you? I'm doing great I'm doing a little bleary-eyed 5:30 comes early yeah. <laughs> yes it
2: certainly does and I know
3: you're up working on getting the uh, the uh, uh,
2: your blog out the insider out uh, Amy staggerwall well let me just announce it in general. Because we had a caucus on Saturday, because we're coming up with an important primary, we've brought the A team together <laughs> again. Amy, mm. Alan, Audrey, Andra, uh, who will I, all the political science professionals who I will now introduce more formally. Mm. Dr. Amy Steigerwald, Georgia State University political science professor. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to have you here. Right next to you in the studio, Dr. Alan Abramowitz, political science professor at um, Emory University. Most recent book, I think I'm fair to, right to say The Great Alignment, Race Party, Transformation, and the Rise of Donald Trump. That's right. Now available, continuing to be available on Amazon. And in paperback. And in paperback. <laughs> Amy, what's your most recent book, by the way? I should have asked that.
0: Oh, uh, Gendered Vulnerability, How Women Work Harder to Stay in Office, about gender differences in legislative behavior. Yeah. It uh, came out in paperback a couple months ago as well. Oh,
2: congratulations on that. Dr. Audrey Haynes, University of Georgia political science professor and the head of the applied politics program there, which probably places more students in political jobs than any other organization in the state of Georgia. Is that a fair assumption?
4: We're getting there. Let's say that. I think we're on our way.
2: What are you writing these days?
4: Well, the last thing that is relevant was a paper I did with Paul Gurian um, right before the 2016 election on divisive primaries versus divided parties. Kind of goes along with a lot of the things that we've been talking about. Boy,
2: and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, Dr. Andra Gillespie, Emory University political science professor, is uh, on her way in. She's – there's apparently been a big traffic jam out there. So we will welcome her when she arrives. All right, let's – get started, though, on talking just a little bit. Jim, let's talk, uh, first of all, about where we stand with Nevada and what we see coming out of there. I'll start with you, and then we'll bring in everybody else on this. We, once again, Jim, we do not have final returns from a caucus state, even though it's two days later. Uh, To the best of my knowledge, the numbers that were updated about about an hour ago with 96 percent of the uh, caucus uh, votes reported, we have Bernie Sanders at 47 percent, Biden a distant second at 20 percent, Buttigieg even further back at 14 percent, followed by Elizabeth Warren at 10 percent, Tom Steyer is at 5 percent, and uh, it goes down from there. A resounding victory, Jim Galloway, for uh, Bernie Sanders.
3: And, and that's what makes this thing easier, just a little bit easier to to, to digest than, than Iowa, because we know we know that Bernie won and he won big, whether you run one by 40 with uh, with 40 percent or 40 percent, 47 percent really doesn't matter. Uh, Biden did OK, but not terrific. Uh, I think if you if you add the. Uh, the percentages of both uh, of of Biden, Buttigieg, and Warren altogether they 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 don't match Bernie Bernie Sanders. No, uh, a, he is he is becoming he this is this is a, a bandwagon, yeah. and you got to bet that uh, Democrats in Georgia are looking at it, and not all of them are happy.
2: Uh, Amy, we should point out that uh, first round and second round, both Sanders and Biden picked up. Uh, mm-hmm. Voters, so so they had they were second choice for any number of people. In Sanders' case, he was at about 34 percent after the first vote, and actually went up to 40 plus percent on the second vote, picked up six percent. Biden didn't go up all that much; he went from 18 percent to 19 percent. So Sanders, it's fascinating to mm-hmm. think how much. He's a favorite even in second – as a second choice for so many people out there at least.
0: Definitely. I mean the Nevada results are really very clear. I mean Sanders blew away and really in almost all categories was also the person who won. I mean he even did really well with those who self-identified as moderate and conservative. It wasn't just that he won the very liberals. He overwhelmingly won Hispanic voters. He came very close with black voters. He won white voters, Um, women, men. Like I mean he – Sort of ran the tables. The other side of it, though, which I think is political scientists, that you know sometimes is that we're still only at about a hundred plus delegates that have gone yeah, out. Yeah, uh, yeah. You need almost two thousand to I mean, win on the first ballot. Is the magic number? Yes, I and so you know it's still really early, um, and but it certainly. Creates a very helpful narrative for him to go in that he is clearing away the winner. It doesn't matter what kind of recount is done. Th- there's no way, unless they find that like it was all b- completely wrong.
2: So let's, if you, do, if we can, for the time being, park what we think is going to happen down the road, and focus on what we know happened this past week and how it might inform what we see in South Carolina. Yeah. Alan, uh, Amy said it. I mean, Sanders won. Uh, White voters uh, by a considerable margin, um, 10 points over Pete Buttigieg, who who was second. He came within 10 or 11 points of uh, Joe Biden with African-Americans. And then he killed it with Hispanic voters, winning 51 percent of the vote. What does all this tell us? It tells us
5: that Biden is clearly, I mean, I'm sorry, Sanders is clearly the front runner right now for the nomination, despite the fact that. The total number of delegates who have actually been chosen is tiny. Yep. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind here that puts maybe qualifies it just a little bit is that this is a caucus state, mm-hmm. and the overall voter turnout here, even though it was higher than four years ago, uh, it's still very small. Uh, we're looking at a an electorate here that, um, first of all, it's a very, very liberal electorate. Mm-hmm. If you look at These Nevada caucus attenders, um, over 60 percent describe themselves as liberal, only about 30 percent as moderate. That's not representative of the Democratic electorate nationwide, probably even in Nevada. Um, So that skews the results somewhat towards Sanders. It's also important to keep in mind that the caucus results um, are hard to interpret because you have three different numbers and this causes some confusion the initial preferences, the, sec- the the realigned preferences, and then the delegate equivalents, and Sanders dominated on the delegate equivalents. Uh, if you look at the initial vote preferences, he still won by a good margin, but it wasn't as dominant uh, there. He got somewhere in the 30s. Yes, there. that's exactly right. Uh, and so, you know, two th- almost two-thirds of Nevada caucus attenders did not actually vote for Bernie Sanders on that first ballot. So. And he did. He certainly made gains among African-American voters. We saw him, you know, he became in second to Biden, um, but remains to be seen how that translates into South Carolina. The Biden uh, Sanders campaign is making a big push in South Carolina now. Yeah, they feel they can knock Biden out. They clearly see Biden as their main competition at this point. They're yeah. not they're not that worried about these other candidates. They're focusing on Biden, especially in South Carolina. Biden's apparently is going to get endorsed by Jim Clyburn, um, and on today. Wednesday, so there, there's a, there's an organized effort going on, on the part of the Democratic establishment in South Carolina to try to rescue Joe Biden. So or, Audrey and stop but, uh, Bernie Sanders. I apologize. So Audrey,
2: I, one of the things I heard uh, Alan say that I was mm-hmm. interested in, among other things that he said, is. Um, we, we came out of New Hampshire and Iowa and said, well, these states are not representative, which they're clearly not. They're, they're by vast majorities white states. Uh, but I just heard Alan say something interesting, too, which is to some extent, although you have diversity, ethnic and racial diversity in Nevada, uh, you don't have, he believes, ideological diversity. It's a much more liberal state than many of the states these candidates are going to face down the line. And so that may be reflected to some extent in uh, Bernie Sanders' success there.
4: Yeah, Nevada has become bluer over the last uh, decade or two. It's really right. trended, and they don't really— I And think also
2: that... the caucus factor. Mm-hmm.
5: Keep in mind, again, right. the caucuses, Sanders dominated the caucuses four years ago, too. Uh, not so much in, he didn't win Nevada, well, but he no, yes. in a caucus. He, I was going to two. say he. Hillary Clinton
2: beat him in Nevada yeah. four
4: yes. years ago. But go and, ahead. And Audrey. one thing that we should say that's true about caucuses that we we talk about um, in 2016, everyone talks about. You know, Bernie was a, a movement candidate. He, um, but this time because he is running again and he's built up um, his infrastructure he's more of a machine so that helps him more in oh, yeah. caucuses significantly. Mm-hmm. So it's not unexpected if you were if you were controlling all of the variables and um, probabilities that Bernie would do well I mean he didn't really overperform he did I think what would be expected well would you would point. you
2: say that he didn't overperform but given again that he attracted such a large percentage of the Hispanic vote mm-hmm. that he did much better in, I mean let's face it the Biden folks. Uh, do not want to play up the fact that Bernie Sanders won 27% of the African-American vote. Is that overperforming, or is it what you'd expect?
4: In those do? categories, uh, Well, again, saying that as a political scientist, knowing what he was doing and, and the effort that was put in there, and the resources that were expended, I would have expected that, but I think okay. that a lot of people may not, So, but they shouldn't be surprised. Andrew
2: Gillespie has uh, uh, arrived. Thanks for being mm-hmm. here. I'm sorry it was a hard uh, drive sorry, in. I'm what mm-hmm. do you, no, that's fine. What, tell Tell us about your take on the uh, African-American turnout for, uh, uh, for uh, Bernie Sanders.
1: I'm not actually surprised by it. Um, You know, one of the things that we can't get just because the data isn't granular enough is what the generational split is. And I expect Mm -hmm. younger Mm African-Americans to break for Bernie Sanders as opposed to Joe Biden. Joe Biden, you know, he's old. He's got, you know, issues with the crime bill. Um, You have a a subset of of younger African-Americans who are more ideologically progressive. I do expect Biden to win um, amongst African-American voters overall. I expect that African-American votes are going to carry him Mm. Um, in South Carolina. I just don't think it's going to be the overwhelming margin that I think we were sort of anticipating a couple of months ago for a couple reasons. I think, one, because Biden is more of a known quantity this time, but also Tom Steyer is playing spoiler um, in a way that, you know, is really actually going to undercut uh, any of the moderates to be able to coalesce and consolidate. And so everybody's going to at least try to buy their time until Mike Bloomberg comes in the res- race so we can figure out, OK, who is the real moderate in the lane?
2: So um, I, I want to everybody's going to jump in in a minute. But but let me just for momentarily play a little bit of Bernie Sanders on Saturday night. He left Nevada in the afternoon. He knew he had it wrapped up, apparently, and he ended up in Texas. Most one of the most important states voting on Super Tuesday, March 3rd. And uh, he didn't talk in Texas about the other candidates at all. Let's just listen to a little bit of his uh, uh, speech in front of big rally in San Antonio.
5: Don't tell anybody. I don't want to get them nervous. We are going to win the Democratic primary in Texas. And, you know, you know, this is also important. The president gets very, very upset easily. So don't tell him that we're going to beat him here in Texas.
2: Jim Galloway, what do you make of uh, Sanders uh, celebrating on Saturday afternoon and evening in Texas?
3: Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a big deal. And I will tell you what, uh, what we need to start... Uh, looking at is the impact of a Sanders cam- a Sa- Sanders nomination on Democrats in Georgia yeah. I mean the, the Democratic Party in Georgia is still kind of a hothouse plant you know it's still under un- under cultivation and if you're if you're Stacey uh, Abrams and you want to run for governor again in 2022 if you're Lucy McBath trying to hang on to that sixth district uh against Karen Handel uh, this is this is concerning. Uh, you're not uh, you're not happy today, Amy.
0: So the thing that I'm struck by, and I don't know quite what to do with it, but that's interesting about the data is if you look at the first votes in the Nevada caucus and then the final vote. So how people shifted their votes, and what's really interesting is that the winner of that was Sanders, right? So Klobuchar loses almost about 3,000 votes that shift. And that's more than go in total to Biden and Buttigieg in that second round, right? So it's not just, for example, because Warren also lost some votes, but it was a little over 1,000, right? It's not just that Sanders picked up the Warren votes. He appears to have picked up Lobachar votes. He picked up probably a lot of the Steyer votes because Steyer really dropped off between that first and second ballot. And so I think what's going to be interesting is the degree to which he's picking up, obviously, right, those that are coming from the moderate camps and what that means more broadly about his appeal. Right. We've sort of seen him as this very like he's he's portrayed very much as this kind of revolution candidate who is standing outside. But yet maybe he's not actually perceived that way by a lot of the voters, right? That he's a perfectly acceptable second choice and that a lot of the concerns that are going on are less. And so I don't know. That's that's sort of a it's, it's an interesting thing. It's hard to see what it means and where it's going to go, yeah. given Allen's well, point that Nevada is general that. But it's it, it, what it what is surprising is, for example, that those voters didn't go to Biden and Buttigieg.
2: He does tend to pick up an exit and entrance polls, the most liberal uh, voters. Yeah. But he also picks up a fair, fairly healthy percentage of people who call them describe in, themselves describe themselves as moderate. In, in the
5: Nevada caucuses, he he led uh, among moderate, yeah. moderate to conservative. But yeah. there, are, there are almost no conservatives. So right. basically moderate yeah. Democrats. Um, but he had a much smaller share uh, of the vote there. There is an ideological divide there, but overall, Sanders. Uh, when, when you look at favorability uh, of the candidates, he's the most favorable, has the highest favorable ratings, and and the lowest unfavorable ratings overall among all the Democratic candidates right now. So there certainly is the potential for him, I think, to pick up. Um, support as we, as we go forward. And right now, the, the problem the moderates have is they're still divided up. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that I, I, in, uh, in Nevada, that, you know, this moderate vote uh, is, is split up several ways. And, the elect, and, the, and when you look at the people who said elect and a large majority of Nevada caucus goers said beating Trump is their top priority, yeah. not, not uh, choosing the candidate they agree with. The problem is that um, they can't decide who that candidate is, and so that vote is now split up several ways, and Sanders gets a chunk of it, and so does Biden, so does Buttigieg, so does, you know, I Klobuchar got some, but they're, they're not united behind an alternative. There's no alternative. This is what happened to the Republicans in 2016. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is the establishment alternative here? And that's where Bloomberg comes in uh, on and, on Super Tuesday, and he's trying, you know, to be the one. He's saying, well, you, uh, you moderates can't agree on anyone, so... You should all drop out and you should you should uh, let me be the moderate alternative to Sanders. Well, and
2: what's what's a little uh, – if you're a Democrat, worrisome, I would think, uh, Andra, Audrey, Jim, all of you, mm-hmm. is uh, the way the calendar sets up. Mm-hmm. Even though Amy Klobuchar failed in Nevada by all accounts, even though she's polling at like 4 percent in the most recent CBS YouGov poll uh, in, in South Carolina uh, – There's no reason in the world she's got South Carolina. She can compete in South Carolina on Saturday. And then what the heck? Might as well stay in through Super Tuesday the following Tuesday, which just further along with Buttigieg, Warren, who's not performing terribly well. There's no reason any of these moderates who are performing at the lower end of the spectrum and taking possibly uh, votes that could have gone to a Biden say, there's no reason for him to jump out.
1: Well, I mean, I think the incentive... To not jump out really is even if they get nothing like there really is kind of no harm, no foul So I mean the handwriting is on the wall for Klobuchar the handwriting is on the wall for Elizabeth Warren But if they stay on the ballot on Super Tuesday and they perform as badly as they did in Nevada They get no delegates anyway, so you might as well try and then drop out the next day So it's unfortunate that the winnowing is actually taking until Super Tuesday to kind of materialize But I actually kind of want to wait for that to happen Like I don't think the jury is out yet on whether or not we're gonna end up at a brokered convention because this might actually actually start to settle itself um, a little bit sooner. Like I, the, uh, Joe Biden has a Steyer problem in South Carolina that I do actually think is serious. And I think probably trying to figure out where voters are going. Um, we could say that some of these voters who go for one of the moderates first and then go for Sanders—they're either being strategic and they're trying to place their bets on the winner, or there's a certain type of ideological coherence that we're usually not um, sort of in tune with. And it's this idea that if these are—if uh, we have—if we look deeper and we find that these are folks whose economic concerns are kind of you know uh, you know next to health care or some of the and climate or some of the utmost issues, right? It would make sense that they would be attracted to the candidate with the clearest economic message. Audrey. Well,
4: gosh, there's so much to say. Of course. Um, you know, one, uh, one interesting <laughs> fact I wanted to bring up is sort of money and, and then endorsements. So you're talking about people winnowing. In most cases, if we go back, the field winnows pretty early where, you know, we are, we're not even getting to um, South Carolina. A lot of people are dropping out after North, North New Hampshire and so on. But um, in this case, you know, Post Citizens United And even in the Democratic Party, we've got two things happening. One, you've got free speech and billionaires can just jump in and, you know, decide for themselves that they want to run. And two, you have technology that lets people like Klobuchar and Buttigieg develop this loyal following of people who give small donor amounts that in some ways are very much like a super PAC. And now you also have... Super PACs coming in like um, persist, you know, uh, and people who said they weren't going to take super PACs are going, well, maybe I will now. So that muddies everything. And the other thing I was going to add was I think there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, there are people who think, you know what, Bernie is authentic. I talked to my son who is a Bernie supporter and he's like, well, mom, look at income inequality. You know, people like me who are 22, we feel like we're screwed by the system. He's our champion and he's authentic. And, you know, we know what we're getting. And the other ones, we're not quite so sure. So there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And I think a lot of people are being strategic. Look look how many people have come out and endorsed. Not a lot.
2: uh, Jim, what I hear Audrey saying is there's nobody's got the brand like Bernie does right now in the Democratic pack, much like nobody had a brand like Trump in 2016.
3: No, and and I think what you're what you you're likely to see is in this in this this atmosphere where nobody's actually encouraged to to jump out. You may see some very interesting maneuvering. Uh, number one, we're going to hear a whole lot about uh, uh, Bernie's health in the next uh, week or so. Mm. I think, just mm. given his refusal to 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 release any 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 kind of medical documentation that which which he promised to do back in October. But re- re- remember, back in 2016. Uh, when 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 you're your kind of your centrist Republicans were getting desperate, you had this this idea floated of a, a, a Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio ticket. Uh, and and you you wonder if something like that might be afoot. I mean, we had Joe Biden and Stacy uh, uh, kind of toss out uh, Stacy Abrams as a as a, a deep possibility just uh, almost precisely a year ago. Uh, and you know, I don't think that's likely to happen again. But but you could have some alliances develop among the uh, uh, among the current crop of candidates. All, I, all
2: I think. right, I want to. I'm sorry to, if I interrupted you, Jim. I do want to get the first break of the show out of the way. We got so much more to talk about. I want to focus a little bit more specifically, if uh, we can, on South Carolina when we come back. But we uh, are listening to Political Rewind. The A Team and Jim Galloway are here. We'll be back in a moment. We're back on uh, Political Rewind with the A-team, Dr. Andre Gillespie, Dr. Audrey Haynes, Dr. Alan Abramowitz, Dr. Amy Steigerwald. Me, I'm the guy with no college degree at all, but I love listening to what you all have to say. And Jim Galloway, of course, joins us on Mondays and Fridays. Um, All right, let's turn to some interesting, what I think, some interesting things developing in South Carolina. I want to play for you all. You know, this is going to be, we're all told— This is Joe Biden's firewall. Uh, This is where he expects African-American voters will give him a win that will carry him on to Super Tuesday and beyond and make him a player once more, although he hasn't been one so far in the early states. So I I want this is a little bit longer soundbite, but but I'd like you to listen all of us to what he said in an interview on MSNBC the other night. Uh, Casey Hunt was uh, talking to him, and uh, here's how he he answers her question about African-American voters.
0: You are relying on African-Americans to carry that victory if you win here,
1: correct?
5: In large part, yes.
0: Do you think they're going to stick with you even through what's been a pretty rough season for you?
2: Yeah, because they know me. They know me really well. They know, uh, look, uh, you know, they know I've had Barack's back. They know that... uh, Bernie wanted a primary Barack in 2012, didn't like what we were doing, tried to take down Obamacare. They, uh, I think, uh, Obamacare and the proposals we have on health care, the proposal we have on education, the proposal we have relative to guns, I mean, look, uh, you know, the Charleston exception, they had the shooting in Charleston, I was down here for that, uh, for the, uh, the funerals at AME. And look, uh, you know, what, why, why why that guy have access to the weapon? Because Barack and I, mean, excuse me, because they opposed what Barack and I were supporting early on and in the Brady bill requiring a waiting period. So there's a lot of things that are big deal differences and particularly relate to jobs and job opportunity. For right. All right, Jim Galloway, we talk. Audrey Haynes essentially said that Bernie Sanders has a brand right now. I defy anyone, anyone to tell me what Joe Biden just said about why anybody's voting for... That was, those are the kind of rambling answers that suddenly are making people, well, not suddenly, mm-hmm. that are making people very nervous about Biden's focus and his energy for this race.
3: No, no, he's got no clear message other than, uh, I mean, I, I, I during, when you were playing that, I think he mentioned Barack four times. Yeah, yeah. I th- I, I think that that seems to be his only strategy. And and these 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 mixed messages that he's that he's uh, delivering uh, with uh, this 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 New York Times story that that involved Andy Young, uh, w- in which Biden's claiming a 1977 arrest in South Africa. Yeah. he 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 doesn't think people are going to check it. This is it. It really is disturbing. All right, I think. so we'll
2: we're to, we'll talk about the South Africa story in a bit. Now let's listen to Jim Clyburn, an incredibly important figure now in the Democratic primary in South Carolina, one of the most revered Democrats in Congress. Uh, he is expected to endorse Biden on Wednesday, but on Meet the Press yesterday, here's what he told Chuck Todd about how Joe Biden's been doing. Well, I think that what has happened here is that um, uh, in the first two contests, uh, people from South Carolina, uh, like around the country, uh, were looking at this, and uh, I've heard from a lot of people uh, that they thought uh, that Joe Biden uh, could have done more to engage uh, on the uh, uh, doing the debates. Uh, thought he could have done more uh, to say why. Uh, he would uh, be deserving. And so uh, I think he suffered from that uh, because he didn't do enough. So, by the way, Audrey Haynes, in that interview on Meet the Press, uh, he, that's what he said about Biden. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done enough. Uh, he praised Elizabeth Warren and he actually praised Bernie Sanders as well. But he is planning to endorse Biden, apparently. But even in that short soundbite, it's, it's clear how some Democrats are worried about this guy.
4: They are worried. And, and quite honestly, I'm not sure it's going to matter if if Biden does squeak through and pull out some kind of a victory in South Carolina because he has no presence in Super Tuesday. And if you look at um, and and he doesn't have any time. Right. It's like the 29th, to March 3rd. Even if he got a little bit of a bump and his donors decided, OK, we're going to write you a check, which we've been holding back because we wanted to see how you did. He doesn't really have a lot of time. You know, logistics matter.
5: There are a couple of states on Super Tuesday that he could do well southern, in in yeah. the South. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of Southern states voting. I think Alabama and, and yep. Mississippi. Yep. Um, you know, but the delegate-rich states. You know, California. I don't think I don't think he's got a shot. Uh, I think he's going to finish w- way behind. Uh, you know, Sanders in in California. Sanders and Texas. is so
2: well organized in California.
1: Well, well, I mean, I think the issue is organization. So. I was able to figure out what Joe Biden was trying to say, even though it's kind of in his classic inarticulate way. He was like, I've been vice president before to Barack Obama and y'all like him. And we did some (laughs) stuff to help black people. So you should vote for me. So it was a little transactional, but it wasn't as racist as it could (laughs) have been. Talk about damning with fake praise. (laughs) His problem is his field ops. Right. So there have been stories that have been coming out since Iowa about how disorganized that campaign is and about how he's phoning it in. That does you win. No, I mean, a good organization can't always win your votes if people aren't buying what what you're selling. Are mm-hmm. like, you know, Elizabeth Warren. But if you don't have an organization, you're leaving votes on the table. And that is is Joe Biden's problem.
2: All right, so Amy and Alan, uh, again, going to the CBS UGov poll, which was just released mm-hmm. over the weekend. Uh, if you look at black primary voters, this is a familiar story for all of us by now, as we've seen in other polls in the state and nationally. In November, Joe Biden was polling at 54 percent of the African-American vote in South Carolina. He's now at 35 percent. Sanders was at 17. He's now at 23 but maybe most remarkably of all, and what must frustrate the heck out of so many Democrats in the, who are you know activists in the party, Tom Steyer was at 2% in November. He's now at 24% because he's poured millions of dollars into advertising in the state. And let's face it, he is not going to get the Democratic nomination. Mm-hmm.
0: He's not, but he, like Bloomberg, is blanketing the airways, is spending more money than all of the other candidates combined, A, have spent or will ever even honestly be able to raise combined. And it's having an impact, right? Steyer has chosen South Carolina. That's sort of what he's putting all of his eggs there. He is running, from what I understand, you know, if you're watching a normal television show, you're going to see like eight Tom Steyer ads during that whole thing. Like that's all you're going to see. And he's on there constantly he you know is telling a good story. People are clearly responding to it. Um and so he's getting this big uptick. I mean, the other thing though is that Biden has simply plummeted overall. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not and and the other person who's really benefited from that, honestly, is Sanders. Right? So again, we're seeing sort of that uptick there and where it's going and I think what's difficult, I mean, so we um You know, Audrey and Andre were sort of bringing out these points that, you know, we've got money in there. We've got this question of sort of how you're trying to run. Um, I think the thought that I sort of had um, because I I followed what Biden was saying, too, and it sounded sort of like a classic appeal. I think he thought that he was going to see sort of a similar Uh, pattern that Hillary had in 2016, which was that early on, sort of major supporters in every single state were going to come out behind him and there wouldn't sort of be this sort of need of all of these like various challenges. And instead, what we've really seen this election, which you sort of mentioned, is that there hasn't been a lot of endorsements, right? People are holding back. I mean, the fact that Clyburn still Mm -hmm. technically hasn't endorsed and, I mean, he could change his mind by Wednesday, right? We're seeing that having, I think, a lot of impact on this and also having an impact on voters.
1: And he's not saying endorse. He's saying, I'm just going to tell you who I'm voting for. Yeah, he did yeah. say yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's true. A, yeah. Thank yeah. you for pointing yes.
2: that out. Exactly. Good So am I, first of all, should I be careful in writing off Tom Steyer's potential Democratic nominee, or is that pretty clear?
5: He has no chance to okay. be a Democratic nominee.
2: That. I don't really understand what his strategy is either. Yeah. I mean, he's no. pouring
5: all this money into South Carolina. Now, now, actually, he put a big effort in in Nevada too.
1: Hundred million at now, least. Mm-hmm. He spent a lot yep. of money yes, in did. Nevada, and, got and, and that should be his sign that he should drop out. That
5: should be, and yes. and I suspect that he's going to underperform his polling in South Carolina as well. Especially if you know if Clyburn semi endorses Joe Biden, I think that's sending a signal that you know, you know. That that's the the guy you you should be voting for, and and forget about Tom Steyer. Yeah. Um. If you if you want to stop Bernie Sanders, you know, whatever you think of Joe Biden, he's he's the only horse, you know, left who has any chance of doing that.
2: Yeah, you know, Jim, the the Steyer thing is interesting to me. I've mentioned on the show once before. I saw him at a national uh, action. Uh, breakfast that, you know, uh, uh, Al Sharpton put together here in Atlanta after the Democratic presidential debate. Steyer came to the uh, National Action Network breakfast along with several other candidates and he talked far longer than anyone else in the room, and it seemed clear as an observer that this is a massive exercise in ego that in the long run, I think when we write the history of this presidential primary campaign in a year or so and moving forward, we're going to think uh, that he was co- he's caused some damage to the Democratic Party.
3: Yeah, and, and the question is now is, is whether uh, Bloomberg is essentially doing the same thing. Uh, by by offering himself out and by by, by pumping up by uh, just filling the airways with, with these messages, I'd be I'd be interested uh, uh, in in hearing from Audrey or or, or, or uh, uh, any of the A team that, that really follows media whether they whether there's any measurable impact uh, just on just uh, in in terms of activism, uh, uh, in terms of increased attention uh, uh, as a result of these ads. I'm um, I'm I'm not sure that that's happening. You mean the Steyer ads? Well, the styre ads, but but add add the Bloomberg ads in in, oh, in there mm-hmm. as well, because if you're on the internet, you're seeing Bloomberg. Yeah, yeah. Um,
4: and they're nice. I've been seeing them. We've all talked mm-hmm. about the ads and how well done they were. Yes. And then you were on you were if you were watching the Nevada debate, you were like, uh oh,
1: uh-oh. Mm-hmm. yeah, uh oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you're uh oh on the substance of it. But if people are being strategic, right, and we can't quite figure out exactly what factors into their strategy, if they still think that Bloomberg is the moderate to be, some of them may be forgiving. I think what we think is that he's alienated blacks, he's alienated women, and those are two big constituencies. But we don't know that everybody is going to be impacted in the same way, especially if he redeems himself tomorrow in the next debate or if Biden falters and it's like, okay, we got to go with this devil and kind of kind of go on with it. We don't know the answer. To that question, I think
5: Bloomberg is, is 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 likely to be the last moderate standing, you know, just because he um, can. He, he can keep spending money as long as he wants to, and uh, the others going to run out of money. Right. Uh, right. You know, I think after Super Tuesday, it's going to be very hard for w- Warren, who's who's not running in the moderate lane, but but and she's her faltering is really helping Bernie. Um, but the other moderates, I, I think, are going are to be hurt badly. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's – it's going to be Bloomberg. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I think if you watch that debate and, – and I don't know that I'm expecting a lot better from him in the future. He's, you know, he was totally on the defensive, but he has a lot to
2: be defensive about.
5: Yeah. You know, so he's, he's got such a huge
2: t- target – you know, on, on his back. I think an interesting test for him is going to come tomorrow night when he will be in a on a CN, yes. one of these CNN town halls, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. candidate on the stage mm-hmm. with whoever Anderson Cooper, whoever Wolf Blitzer. I'm not sure who they have uh, hosting him on that, but that'll be an interesting uh, uh, opportunity to see yeah. if he can communicate. The way his right. ads do, which is. And then pretty the next, the, next debate. I mean, and the debate is Wednesday the next debate night. where
5: Steyer mm-hmm. will also be exactly the end. So seven candidates, I guess.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. I want to talk for just a minute if, if we can. Amy, let me ask you about this. Um, so we said very early on in the show that Democrats, uh, Democratic candidates need uh, nineteen hundred ninety one uh, delegates to win the nomination.
0: On the first ballot.
2: On the first ballot. Exactly. So uh, what's interesting is the difference between the way the Democrats and Republicans do Mm -hmm. their allocation of delegates. In Republican politics, it's a winner take all situation. If you win the state of Georgia, you win all of the Republican Mm -hmm. delegates uh, to the convention. Uh, after
4: after no. the first initial ones, they right. have a different. They have a plan where yeah, in early, first, early early it's a yeah. little different. So but they then changed after. it since
0: 2016 because originally yeah. right. they were proportional as well. Yes, which yeah. is one of the reasons why the field stayed so divided as it did in 2016. But now they're winner take all. Now, am they, I right? Okay, it's it split. Yeah.
4: Just to be sure, early. They have a window um, where there is uh, some variation in how it's distributed, and then it goes to winner-take-all. Well, okay. Before that, it used to be all winner-take-all with, well, pro- with some can loopholes. Choose. It's up
2: to the states yeah. to choose. Yes. Right. Right. Each, mm-hmm. right. Okay. So we know the Republican nominee is Donald Trump, so uh, I'm yes. not going to worry about the Republican. He won in Nevada, by the way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So, but, but here's something we need to talk about. Democrats allocate in an entirely different way. You win proportional numbers Indeed you of do. delegates. Which means that two things. One is to Bernie's benefit. uh, He could could establish such a huge lead in those apportioned delegates in states around the country that by the time he gets to the convention, he may not have 1991, no matter how well he does state by state, but he's going to be close enough to it. Presumably, he could be close enough that the convention has no choice but to make him the nominee. On the other hand. It is conceivable that because of proportionate allocation, he may come in considerably shorter than that, at which point you do run into this notion of a brokered convention, which I know we all talk about happening all the time and never does. But speak to this.
0: Yes. So (laughs) – the sort of short version of this is imagine it's I mean it's almost sort of more like a caucus. In fact, that you come in, you acquire your delegates through all of these, and that's where it also gets sort of uh, confusing because like there's a example you know here like Buttigieg, where if he doesn't hit that 15% in Nevada, that's going to really limit how many delegates he gets because he's not going to get any statewide delegates. Those will get reassigned uh, to those who are above 15%. But when you come in, everybody's got proportional, and that proportional allows you to make a claim for staying in longer, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, right now in the delegate count, technically, Warren is third, Yeah, right? And so even though she hasn't been doing particularly well, like that puts her in, so why would you drop out? So that first vote is out of the 19, 1,991 that are spread among the delegates that are proportioned out of the primaries and caucuses. If you don't get a majority of that nine, one thousand nine hundred ninety-one so majority you need. Actually. That's a, yeah, so yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it's actually close to fifty percent plus one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah,
2: yeah. It's thirty. There
5: are 3, 970. 970. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. You need
0: a yes. That that is the majority. Sorry, I apologize. Yes. <laughs> Thank, They're this is political why you're, scientists, you're, people, yes. not Don't you know who the president of Mexico is? Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so as we go with it, but if you don't get, a, if you do not get one thousand nine hundred ninety-one, which is the majority that you need, I was I was said that wrong. I, I it's fine. I, don't I worry. Forgot. You're, 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 you're not, We're good. There's Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. I haven't had enough coffee, clearly. That was my fault. So, but if you then don't get those, then it goes to the second round. Yeah. And what changes is in the second round is that number one, the delegates are not bound anymore, so they can change. And number two, the number of people voting becomes larger because now super the superdelegates super delegates. Super delegates come in. All right, so that. And they can vote for whoever they want. You did a good job, Amy. 770,
2: so. 770
5: superdelegates.
0: Okay, delegates. so exactly. all of this begs So now to... you need 2,753.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, I think. this is okay. <laughs> I'm going to pull no. us out of the weeds and ask what <laughs> impact we you believe this. By, no, I agree. What <laughs> impact this might have on what happens at a convention that Bernie Sanders would go into with a big lead?
1: Well, so uh, there are a couple things to caution. So 100 delegates roughly have been decided yes. out of the nearly mm-hmm. 4,000, and all of a sudden we're now talking brokered convention. Yes. I'm not quite sure that we're actually going to get that far because the yeah. race will consolidate, whether or not it consolidates enough for one candidate mm-hmm. to get to 1991. You know, I'd still say is an open question, but I don't know how open that actually is. I mean, we're making a lot of things about sort of a really small number well, of delegates Well, just to defend the reason yes, I brought are. it
2: up, it was simply to say – that you can't necessarily look and say this candidate won this state, that state, right. that state, mm-hmm. and that state. There mm-hmm. is proportional delegation uh, uh, allocation.
1: And I, I, and I actually I, don't think that, like, getting rid of proportional allocations is the way to kind of overcome this. Mm-hmm. Um You know, Jesse Jackson fought long and hard Mm -hmm. for this. It is why Barack Obama got the nomination in 2008. There are a lot of reasons to keep this. I would say that, you know, Bernie got rid of superdelegates on the first ballot, and this may be a reason to put them back in. But of course, he's never, ever going to say something like that, even though he might have, as the front runner, actually gotten superdelegates or gotten, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are committed to other folks who defect and kind of come back.
3: Jim? Yeah I I would again I would go back to Cleveland in 2016 uh as a, as an example uh basically once once you get to a convention you've got so much momentum that you're not it would be if 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 Bernie is leaning in the uh, leading in the delegate count uh by any mm-hmm. kind of a substantial margin I I I just can't imagine the convention I mean, rejecting him, and, and his voters
4: would go crazy. Th- you know? it, it, yeah, it, his
3: voters. I mean, I, I mean, uh, in Philadelphia, uh, Bernie's people were still fighting when they know that they had lost yeah. in 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and you you think you're you're going to grab it from them if, if he's in the lead? All right, I'm going to give you the last
2: so. word, Audrey. Got to get to a break.
4: Well, I think it's very interesting. One of the things that I was going to say is we really don't know what's going to happen because we don't know what Bloomberg and Steyer are going to do. They may decide that they're going to pull out and they're going to put their money behind one of the candidates, and maybe not. Alan's shaking his Bloomberg's head. Bloomberg's not going to do that. Yeah. Well, well, we don't know what's going to happen. All right. We don't know.
2: i, I got like. take. I got to take another break. Uh, by the way, we're watching the uh, TV monitor in the studio. Uh, as of the opening of the New York Stock Exchange, the markets were down almost a 1,000 points Based uh, largely on fears about the coronavirus uh, spreading and apparently news that it's getting uh, bigger and bigger. So we'll keep an eye on that. 700 now. Is it now down to 700? Oh, well, I feel so much more (laughs) relieved. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Glad to have all of you back with us on Political Rewind. Just a quick reminder. We've mentioned it several times in the last week. Today is the final day that you can register to vote in the March 24th Democratic presidential – well, the Republicans. Do, do the, there is still a Republican primary in Georgia, I think. I don't, don't, no. You don't, I don't think, think so, so. either? No, Galloway? I think they, canceled they that. Uh, if, it, it, no? There will be, right. there, well, there will be a May. vote.
3: There will be a vote. Uh, in, in the presidential primary, but the only candidate on the ballot will, will be, be Donald Trump. Trump, be. Trump right. right. Okay. Yeah. That's it. right. Okay. Well, they but,
0: didn't allow anybody else to qualify. For right. Okay. So, so still if, a you,
2: primary. Okay. if you want to check to see if you are registered or you've been dropped and there are people who are being dropped and don't realize it, we have a link that you can go to. You plug in all the information and it'll tell you. And if you're not registered, today's the deadline to get <laughs> it done to vote in that presidential preference primary on March 24th. All right. right. So... I want to talk. We're going to talk presidential politics for the next few minutes before the show uh, finally comes to an end. Um, Galloway, I've been thinking lately because I'm the old person uh, in the room, an awful lot about the George McGovern campaign in (laughs) 1972, where the worst defeat of a Democratic presidential candidate ever. He lost 49 states to uh, Richard Nixon. Um, And lo and behold, I Googled it. And what do I see? But a writer for The Atlantic has, in fact, put up a piece saying, is uh, Bernie Sanders another George McGovern? And, of course, the comparison would be George McGovern was incredibly liberal. He believed in a public health care program, a government-funded health care program uh, for everyone. You can go down the list. And, in fact, we ought to put up a link to that Atlantic piece. You'll see there are so many parallels. So I'm going to ask the room is it conceivable that democrats ought to be looking over their shoulder galloway and thinking about that 1972 election and what it meant to nominate a guy who had so many parallels to what bernie sanders is today
3: yeah well first first of all uh the democratic party was a little bit different then it was it, it was uh it was it, we had that uh, uh, rural white uh urban urban black uh, coalition that was still active uh if you recall that same race on the same same day that that that, that uh, Nixon just trounced McGovern, uh, that was that was uh, the the same day that uh, Sam Nunn uh, won election mm-hmm. to the uh, in, 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 to, to the Senate for the first time. So there was this there there, were, there there were national Democrats and there were Georgia Democrats and they were different things. Uh, we don't have that separation right now. And I think that's that's probably uh, quite concerning to 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 people who are looking for for democratic gains in November. All right. So the rest. Of, yeah, Alan, uh, go ahead.
5: I think the the point of that article was that yes, Bernie Sanders and George McGovern uh, had a lot in common. He has a lot in common with George McGovern in terms Bye. of his policies, uh, and and the being on the you know, in the far left. Uh, but but that the country is very different. The parties are very different. The Democratic Party is very different, as as Jim was saying. Uh, and that therefore you're not going to have, even if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, it's not going to be a landslide election. The other big difference is that Richard Nixon was actually quite popular mm-hmm. in 1972. Yep. Which is he had kind an of a approval huge rating. thing. He had an approval rating of about 60 percent uh, at, mm-hmm. at, during uh, at that one point. Uh, and Donald Trump has never hit 50 percent. So, in all likelihood, you know, no matter who the Democrats nominate, and we're in an age now where partisanship is so baked into. The system and and uh, and the dislike and and fear of the other side is so strong that I think even a Bernie Sanders is is will will be able to largely unify uh, Democrats uh, if he's the nominee in the same way Donald Trump did against Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I mean, I think some of this is reliving 2016 over again. So especially for people who have felt the burn back then, I think they kind of want to relitigate that and say, look, our guy was the better guy. But I think it's a question of is the median voter more like Sanders or more like Trump? And it's hard to tell when you have these extremely polarized partisan primaries that might be picking more extremist candidates than they used to be in the past. But I think the lesson and this is not the election where Democrats really want to test this out, especially if you think that Trump violates too many institutional norms, is whether or not if you go with somebody that far left, whether or not you can actually put together a winning national coalition that's actually going to hit that median voter. I think it's a big question. It was something that the Democratic Party was going to have to test at some point. Really risky to do it now. But we'll see what the answer to that question is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's most uh, fascinating actually about this race is that generally when the economy is doing well, an incumbent president does well. Um, This is the first time that we've ever really seen since we've had you know polling going back where we have a a strong economic uh, gains and a president who is polling incredibly weakly. Um, he, you know, continues not to have a strong favorable rating and continues to have incredibly strong unfavorable ratings. I mean, what I'm always most struck by are not his numbers of people who are likely to vote for him, but the number of people who are like, absolutely, will I never vote for him? And I think that that's a huge difference because, again, Nixon really, people forget this. Like, yes, he ended up resigning in disgrace. But up until like about the last two weeks, he was incredibly, incredibly popular.
2: Audrey, let's bring it home to Georgia. What does a Bernie Sanders uh, nomination mean for uh, voters in Georgia?
4: Well, it'll be interesting. You know, um, before I answer that question, let me just say I want to make a prediction. Um, 2020, probably the greatest turnout ever perhaps and probably the largest amount of spending those are safe bets aren't they i think, it, uh, I think if, if, if bernie both, yeah. if bernie is well, the, the nomi- largest
5: ever is, is yeah. hard to well, conduct, that's what
4: you're comparing it to well that's I mean. true well, let's just say mm-hmm. modern era okay yeah. mm-hmm. so um what does that mean for georgia voters who knows it really mm-hmm. depends on how the campaign shapes it yeah. could it could i'm going to say potentially everyone's very fearful but i'm not sure we really know what the outcome will be and what the the um the conversation is going to be about in terms of issues. And we also don't know what the most unpredictable president in all time will do, right?
5: Oh, I Bernie Sanders is certainly not the candidate that I think most Democratic elected officials and party leaders and candidates would, would, would want at the top of the ticket. But in, the bottom line to me is that it probably doesn't make that much difference. I mean, it makes a lot less difference now than it would have in the past.
2: Right. Right, you got the last points. word? We are completely out of, of time. By the mm-hmm. way, just real quickly, Richard Nixon in 1972 won like 75 percent of the vote in the state of Georgia to George McGovern's 25 uh, percent mm-hmm. or a little bit less than that. That's pretty Trump interesting. Trump will not match that. But, but Probably we elected not. Kennedy, too.
4: Right, Georgia we're went uh, for right. Kennedy. So. Audrey Hayes, uh, <laughs> <hey, it's>
2: Andre <laughs> Gillespie, Helen Abramowitz, Amy Steigerwald, Jim Galloway. Thank you so much for a great show. You will be back here. The A-Team is going to be back with Jim Galloway next Monday, where we're going to break down this out. Carolina primary and look forward to Super Tuesday, which is a week from tomorrow. So be sure to stay with us all this week and back for that next week. I'm Bill Nygut. See you again tomorrow.